This is Reset. I'm Susie On, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Won't you be my neighbor? So began every episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the PBS children's show that ran for over 30 years and 900 episodes. With empathy and curiosity, Fred Rogers helped kids understand the world around them and remind us all that to wonder was to learn. I like to learn things, don't you? And there's so much in this world we can learn, no matter how young or how old we are. The Geneva Public Library is centering the lessons of Mr. Rogers during its annual One Book, One Community reading program. And this afternoon, we'll host an in-person event about the legacy that Mr. Rogers leaves behind. So what lessons can we take away from Mr. Rogers when it comes to teaching and preparing children for the world? Ryan Rudzuski is a co-author of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. And he joins us now. Ryan, welcome to Reset. Susie, thanks so much for the invitation. Ryan, there's a lot of things going on in the news right now, and some of it may be scary to a kid. Um, So it feels like the right time to turn to Mr. Rogers and ask, what would he tell kids right now? Sure. So that's a great question. And honestly, I wish I could go into Fred's head and tell us what he would say about all the amazing and often terrible things that are happening in our world right now. Unfortunately, I can't speak for Fred, but I can tell you what Fred did. We can follow the method, the blueprints that he left behind. So one of the last things that Fred did, one of his last public appearances, was actually right after 9-11, when Fred came out of retirement to film a public service announcement. And I think that video is really emblematic of Fred's way of speaking to children and Fred's way of speaking to adults. So there are a couple of sort of characteristics that we like to call the Fred method. And one of the things that Fred always did is that he noticed children's concerns. Mm -hmm. He asked them what kinds of things they're hearing about what kinds of feelings those things might be stirring up. And Fred always acknowledged that those big feelings are okay. He never rushed to comfort us. He never gave us false hope, you know, just saying everything's going to be okay. What Fred used to say is each of us longs to be in touch with honesty. And that's as true for children as it is for adults. And I think that honesty, um, allowing us, allowing children to have those big, scary feelings, is ultimately what's most comforting. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ended 20 years ago. Uh, Do you think childhood has changed significantly since then? Uh, How is the show still applicable to today's world? Yeah, so in some ways it's changed dramatically. In many ways it's it's still just the same as it ever was. Um, You know, part of the reasons my co-author and I wrote our book, When You Wonder, You're Learning, is that We have this deep emotional connection to Fred Rogers, like so many people who grew up watching him still do. You know, we look at Fred as the nice guy in the sweater, the guy who makes us feel comforted and loved and special. And Fred was all of those things. But what really made Fred remarkable was his use of science. And when Greg and I sat down to start writing this book, we started digging into the learning sciences. That is what we're learning about learning itself. And we started reading research papers and attending learning science conferences. And what we realized was that when scientists talk about learning today, when educators talk about learning today, they're talking about in ways that don't necessarily sound scientific, at least at first. They're not talking about charts and graphs. They're not talking about things that can be measured. Instead, they're talking about, you know, how do we make children feel safe? 
How do we make sure children feel like they belong to a community that cares about them? How do we make sure children feel that they are loved and capable of loving? Mm -hmm. And our aha moment as we sat down to write this book was, wow, when the scientists talk about learning today, often their papers and their talks sound just like scripts from the neighborhood. And in many ways, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is just as applicable today as it was when it first aired in 1968 because Fred was so far ahead of his time when it came to using the science of learning um, to, benefit, uh, to benefit kids. In the book's opening, you write, to thrive in the age of the algorithm, kids today will have to excel at what Rogers taught best, being human. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I'm, I'll actually give you an example. So... A few years ago, uh, Google, the search engine that we're all familiar with, um, was trying to figure out what makes a good boss. And for a long time, they had assumed that the best bosses were simply the people who knew the most stuff. So if you were a programmer at Google and you could write computer code in your sleep, you were first in line for a promotion, which is a reasonable assumption, right? But Google, being Google, decided to test this approach to validate it. And through something called Project Oxygen, they analyzed 10,000 data points. These were things like performance evaluations and uh, exit interviews. Um, and what they found was that technical expertise, you know, that ability to write computer code in your sleep, was important. Content absolutely matters. But on the list of things that mattered most, content mattered the least. Mm. Instead, the people at Google wanted all these very human qualities that Fred Rogers taught so well. Um, communication, caring about your colleagues and well-being, being a good listener, these very human qualities that Fred taught in the neighborhood and these very human qualities that can't be replaced by machines. Yeah. Well, how do we teach kids uh, those, those very human qualities, those soft skills like empathy and communication? Absolutely. So one of the best ways to start is in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So if you watch the neighborhood, we all remember it as an educational television program, right? But Fred never focused on things like fractions or spelling words. Instead, he focused on what he called his tools for learning. So these were things like curiosity and creativity and communication. Um, again, these tools that have been found to be not only applicable today, but in many cases, 10 times more predictive of children's success than test scores. And Fred knew that a lot of this stuff starts with adults. So let's just take curiosity as one quick example. If you watch basically any episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you'll find Fred telling viewers how many questions he has. You'll find him telling viewers how much he wants to know about the world. You'll find him saying songs like, did you know? Did you know when you wonder you're learning? Because Fred knew how important it was to show learners that he's a viewer too, or he's, that he's curious too. And he did that too with creativity. You know, Fred did some things on the show that his adult friends might have considered childish, right? Fred paints pictures of butterflies. He builds things out of popsicle sticks. But whatever he was doing, he always made it clear that what he was doing brought him joy. And he brought in countless creative adults, people like Francois Clemens, who was mm -hmm. Officer Clemens in the neighborhood, yeah. but also the neighborhood opera singer. Handyman Negri was the neighborhood's fix-it guy. He was also the neighborhood's guitarist. So all these adults, whether it was Fred himself, or the guest stars or the recurring characters in the show, all modeled these behaviors, curiosity, creativity, mm -hmm. communication, and more, in ways that psychologists have since been found to be extraordinarily effective. And, and 
you know, I, I want to stay on curiosity a bit. Um, the book spends a lot of time on curiosity. Kids, of course, are naturally curious. But that curiosity is also fragile. Um, you cite one study in which five-year-olds asked about a hundred questions, over a hundred questions in an hour, <laughs> and eleven-year-olds asked none in school. What's going on there? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, so there was one study done where a psychologist recorded four children at regular intervals from the time they were fourteen months old until they were just older than five, and those kids asked, on average, a hundred questions an hour. There are other researchers who went out into classrooms and sometimes spent one, two full hours in those classrooms, didn't hear any questions. So what's going on there? I think it really comes down to the environment that we, the adults, create for kids. Kids don't naturally lose their curiosity over time, but they do learn to stop asking questions if they figure out that their questions aren't valued, mm -hmm. if they're told that their questions aren't worthwhile, if their questions uh, are bad questions, the more young people internalize those messages, the less likely they are to speak up. The more you worry about seeming not smart or seeming ignorant in some way, the less likely you are to ask questions. But in the neighborhood, Fred always made it clear that any question, no matter how outlandish it may seem or no matter how it, make, how it might make the asker look, Every question, every feeling, all of that was okay, because as Fred showed us, that's part of learning and growing. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to play this clip from Fred Rogers, and it's about the wisdom and letting kids know what to expect, whether they're headed to, let's say, a, a doctor or when, you know, something out of the ordinary is about to happen. I remember when I was a little boy, my mother and my dad and my grandparents would often tell me about things that were going to happen that I didn't know about before that. And I was so glad that they would tell me because when the things happened, then I felt that I was ready for them. That's what I like to do for you. I like to be able to show and tell you all kinds of things. That's the way it is when somebody loves you. That person wants to help you feel as comfortable as possible in this life. Well, in the few seconds we have left, Ryan, why is that important? You know, we saw why that's important in every episode of The Neighborhood. We started in Fred's living room. He told us what was going to happen. We would go off to an adventure in the neighborhood of Maple Leaf, and then we would come back and we would talk about what we had seen. And again, that is Fred showing us that... No matter what happens, no matter how unexpected, no matter how scary or unsettling it might be, whatever it is that we're going through, we're able to get through it if we have people mm -hmm. around us who care about us, whether those, whether those people are a television mm -hmm. host in a sweater or our parents or our teachers or our neighbors. Yeah. That's Ryan Radisky, co-author of the book, When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. If you want to learn more about Fred Rogers' lessons and legacy, the Geneva Public Library is holding a community discussion today at 4. You can register for that on the library's website. Ryan, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks, thanks so much for having me.